0: Hello, friends! Welcome to the ATC Double Cut. We have a special turf math episode again today. Bjarni Hannisson is joining me all the way from Iceland. At the is it G Moss Golf Club? G Moss.
1: No? Well, that's the international version. If you if are domestic, <laughs> it's Golfkluber Mossfelsspjær. But G Moss does it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right. Well, that is. Uh, I'll just stick with Gmos. I yep. I can uh, say that. So you're uh, September. We're recording this, so you're coming mm-hmm. to the the uh, cooler times of the year.
1: Yes. Day links. Very much so.
0: Day links are still okay, though. You're you're coming up on a twelve-hour day.
1: Yeah, but it's um, sun is coming up around six thirty right now, so we've shifted start times so we don't have as much pressure on us so we're starting to you know show up at 7 by now nice well um
0: thank you for
1: being able to join me for the turf
0: math uh i guess this is episode 3 of turf math um uh, that's it the uh sub uh, sub series <laughs> here on the ATC double cut um so you had a very interesting topic that that mm-hmm. I thought was great and I said hey well, let's record that as soon as we can and you mm-hmm. said that one of the common questions you get
1: is tell me cuz sometimes I've been asked you know I've I've done talks on MLSN before and and it's soil testing and on your soil testing reports we usually get the results and ppm mm-hmm. or mg/kg slash <laughs> And if you're not, I'm assuming if you're not in metrics, you might not know that that's milligrams per kilograms, but I don't know. You might not know that. But PPM being parts per million, like, and the question is and that I always guess, like, what does it mean? Like, what, how can I, because we don't use, you know, when we're talking fertilizers, generally, greenkeepers among greenkeepers, we don't throw out, oh, I'm putting that many milligrams per kilograms. A fertilizer you know it's not a common <laughs> thing to talk about so it's understandable that people when they don't haven't sat down and thought about it it's like what does the p- ppm mean exactly in you know how much material is out there that we just measured what does that mean ppm and why ppm and milligrams per kilogram why is that why is that the same well so, let's,
0: let's let's talk about this because when you uh, when you said that i thought yeah, that's a great point. I think we should try to explain it. And mm-hmm. I imagine it might actually be interesting to hear because it's not something that we've had a long conversation about, like what it really means. And I suppose when we talk about it, some people will at least uh, hear how we think about this. And we mm-hmm. will try to explain how it's related to things like fertilizer rates and to nutrient harvest and to mm-hmm. whether you need to apply fertilizer or not or that kind of mm-hmm. thing. Now I'm mm-hmm. I'm going to show a blog post real quick. I'm I'm showing now a screenshot of the blog post that we will supposedly give the double cut treatment here which is titled new mlsn cheat sheet. And all I'm going to say is, I'm going to put a direct link to this in the show notes. If you want to find out all about MLSN and ha- and find a whole lot of PPM numbers or milligram per kilogram numbers, you can find it on this MLSN cheat sheet. And it, it explains all about MLSN, but if you're not comfortable with parts per million or milligrams per kilogram, and if those numbers and the units of those numbers, it's, it's not in pounds per thousand square feet. It's not in kilograms per hectare. If those numbers are not intuitive and making sense to you, then this entire cheat sheet is not going to be of very much value. So I'm not going to I'm not going to talk about the cheat sheet anymore. We're going to go back to the start and try to figure out what we mean and and how we can make good use of milligram per kilogram or 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 translate that into something that's
1: that's uh, yeah something you, that a unit that, we, that we often talk about you know when we're applying fertilizer because we usually have um, you know an area uh you know a weight by an area that we're applying fertilizer to so we talk about kilograms per hectare pounds per thousand uh, grams per square meter in that sense so we need to sort of translate it into that so we understand what we're talking about <laughs> really but the good thing about ppm for the um, imperial guys is that, that it's effectively unitless <laughs> it just means one part per million parts of right. whatever parts you have right right so it, it's it's unitless uh in that sense i'm oh, sorry yeah it's a, it's not a metric. it's a not non-specific metric or not you know it's not specifically metric and not specifically um for the imperial guys because you could technically speaking use it on both sides because mm-hmm. it's just you know one part of, of a million effectively effectively now but yeah
0: but but The part where it comes to soil is is slightly tricky because it could be one milligram per liter Mm -hmm. or it could be one milligram per kilogram. Now, I'm most comfortable with it uh, expressed on a weight basis, which is the way it's typically done in the United States. But sometimes in the UK the soil tests are reporting on volume of soil rather than on mass of soil. So yeah. that for me is a little bit, um, I don't like it because it, I'm not quite yeah. sure if their leader, how much it weighs. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So, it, so it that shift a little bit. Yeah. It, it can yeah. shift a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. and if, but yeah, basically what we're talking about is a tiny part in a larger part and so if you yeah. have um how much is one percent if you have it, it's one one
1: hundredth. So this is uh this is Yeah. Out of hundred percent well it would be one part per million would be zero point zero one percent. Roughly like that, right?
0: One part per million you need a no, thousand you need six, Yeah, this is Put where. The this is where <laughs> we. It was. No, I think you need, I think you need it more weigh... than a thousand. A thousand would <laughs> yeah. be one one thousandth. Yeah, need, yeah, exactly.
1: You need
0: one, one ten, thousand. Yeah. ten thousand.
1: Yeah. Ten thousand. Ten thousand, and then two zeros. Yes, you're correct.
0: So, so it's. Ten. So it it, so the reason why the units are in parts per million is because. Mm-hmm the nutrients in the soil tend to be at relatively low concentrations. And so when they're checking how much potassium you have in the soil, Mm -hmm. compared to everything else that's in the soil, it tends to be something that expresses well on a parts Mm -hmm. per million basis, because you might have like 150 parts per million. Mm -hmm. But for that to be 1%, it would need to be 10,000 parts per million. If, yep. if I've done the math in my head yeah, correctly. You're, you're right. Because 100,000 out of a million would be 10%. So mm-hmm. 1% should be 10,000. Yep. And for anybody who's done uh, Malik 3 soil tests, you may have seen in a calcareous soil, you may have seen that a calcium, sometimes you'll get a calcium number that's 10,000 or 15,000 parts per million. You can mm-hmm. get that when it's calcareous and the malic 3 extractant dissolves some of the calcium carbonate that's in the soil. Mm-hmm. And that's, that is like an extremely high number. It's like off-scale high to be 10,000 or 15,000 because normally the calcium in soils will be 300, 700, 2,000, 5,000, something like that. Mm-hmm. But even five thousand is just half of a percent mm-hmm. and and so that's that's one way to think of these numbers
1: Yeah. but I think it's okay if we explain to him a little bit about uh, if you're an imperial guy and you're wondering what does milligrams per kilogram actually mean and why is it up why is it equivalent to PP part per million um, if people are not used to the prefixes that are used in the metric system, for example, the prefix of milli, uh, milli just means one uh, one thousandth of the base unit. And in the metric system, the grams are the base uh, base units for uh, for weight. And gram is a relatively low weight. I mean, what is that in uh, right. pounds? Right. So what? so
0: one one pound. Uh, so everybody that's that's familiar with pounds, one pound is 454 grams. Mm. So um, basically, you have one divided by 454 pounds. That's mm-hmm. how much a gram is. I don't know yeah. how much that is in ounces, um, but I know... 20,
1: 28 grams an ounce. Is that possible? Well, anyway, it, I, it's I don't quite know possible. I, I just know how yeah. to
0: make the relationship to yeah. um the pound to the pound. So one yeah. a gram is one four hundred and fifty fourth of a pound. It's a very small unit. And if yeah. you think about that in in terms of fertilizer grains or or sand grains, mm-hmm. it's basically a couple
1: grains of sand yeah. um, be- it's a very low measuring unit uh, and and therefore we use, uh, prefixes, sort of, to to describe, and the prefixes just means um, what, um, how. I mean, and how often it's been, what, what do you call it, uh, the power of it or the multiplier of of uh, of the base unit. So a kilogram that you often hear, kilo just means one thousand times the base unit. So kilogram would be one thousand grams.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Milli is the opposite end of that. That's the um, one one thousandth of. The, the base unit so you divide the base unit the gram by 1000 and then you've got a milligram which is a tiny fraction <laughs> it's a very light it's, it's tiny but those of you who are good in math and those you might have noticed that you're having a milligram which is one one thousandth of something so we got three zeros there and then you've got kilo which is thousand times the base unit mm-hmm. so you got three zeros so that means you will end up if you put this into your calculator you'll get one one millionth so mm-hmm. one millionth part of uh of the sample which is the same as part per million that's why ppm and milligrams per ki- uh, per kilogram um come up you know it means it it, it it can mean the same as in you know that's why they you can transfer from ppm to milligrams per kilograms roughly Right, sort of. And that's, that's if it's based on weights, the ppm is based on weights.
0: If it's based on weights, and and that's yeah. that's quite uh, it's quite simple. Now you could have, I mean, I guess you could have a, a part per million, and it could be in pounds. But there's no particular unit that is one one millionth of a pound. But no. but it's 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 very simple with the way that the metric system uh, prefixes go. you you know that to go one, one millionth of a kilogram will be one milligram because you, Mm -hmm. you uh, go back three zeros to get to the base unit of gram. And then you Mm -hmm. go back another three zeros to get to the milligram and, and there you have it. So it's a, it's a 10 to the sixth difference.
1: Yeah. And, um, this might be obvious to the metric guys, but I'm assuming if you're an impeller, you I mean. Why, why would you know this? <laughs> why would you know all these prefixes? Well, I, I think well, we
0: learn it. I think in the United States we learn this um, yeah. because we're well, all maybe. we're all taught the the metric system in I don't know third grade, fourth grade, whatever. But then yeah. in our daily lives, we tend not to use mm-hmm. it, and mm-hmm. you know now i lose i lose i've lived outside of the united states now for 17 years or so um consecutively (laughs) and and prior to that i lived outside the u.s for a couple of years also before going to graduate school and and uh so when i go to the u.s here's an interesting or to me it's something that i found that i now think in the metric system when i use google maps and i'm driving somewhere in the united states and the uh, I had my phone, Google Maps audio, set to be using the uh, using the units of the place where I am,
1: yeah. and so
0: it'll say, "All right, turn left in a quarter mile," and I'm just like oh, I forgot how far a quarter mile is. And then it's like, okay, turn left in 600 feet or turn left in yeah. 200 feet. And I'm like, can this please be in... So I, I I go through all the settings in Google Maps and finally I got it set to be like, okay, always use uh, meters and, and kilometers. Yeah. So now I I know, okay, turn left in 500 meters and I'm very comfortable
1: <laughs> with, with being able to do that. <laughs> Yeah, I've uh know, yeah, I just took the to metrics. <laughs> but yeah. while well, saying that I've spent good enough time so I've sort of I got some base units uh, good in my head but I'm constantly forgetting, you know. Yeah. So how fluid ounces and all that stuff. I'm I'm lost with that to be but, fair.
0: So I know that if you're listening to this from a part of the world where you you use pounds and ounces and mm-hmm. and acres and and 1000 square feet and so on, I know that mm-hmm. you'll have been introduced to this so concept of the metric uh, and and how things are in yeah. multiples of 10 or multiples of a thousand um mm-hmm. but if you don't use it all the time you forget and and you lose yeah. the fluency of being able to to make those changes um
1: so anyway but, yeah so now at least we know this the milligram per kilogram what it means but how are we going to use it that's that's really the question i <laughs> always get like how does that to relate to what we're looking at in the soil,
0: and well, that's well. Now, well, you can maybe that's when you can go look at the uh, the MLSN cheat sheet or look at yeah. some of the explanations that I've made. I've I've got various videos where I've explained it, various um, presentation slides that are available for download where I've tried to explain MLSN or um, mm-hmm. various blog posts. Uh, so I'm thinking of this in terms of fertilizer for now. So let's use potassium, which is quite an important element because if you don't have an enough potassium, that would be problematic so So yeah. we want to apply fertilizer, but we don't apply fertilizer in ppms, but we want to make sure yeah. that the soil has enough potassium so mm-hmm. that's where i'm uh, i I think this is a really good thing to try to explain because it's something that you and i at once we had to wrap our head around what's going on too it's like you don't just know this at first to how to, no. how to make these conversions so no.
1: what do we, we do uh, so by the way i'm i i tend to when i'm looking at fertilizer i just tend to use i know you're in the gram per square meter uh, category but i think it might be better to Explain this in in kilograms per hectare because the numbers just work out slightly easier that way. Okay, and let, then, then let's they end up let's very do it, similar.
0: Let's do it that way. And I apologize to my two listeners in Japan <laughs> who would rather, maybe, in grams per square meter. <laughs> we can
1: do this gra- grams per square meter later on. But I, I, I'll, yeah, I, I'll explain this. No. So hectare, uh, for those who don't know what a hectare is, it's uh, it comes from the prefix hectometer. Hectometer just means a uh, hecto just means one hundred times the base unit. So hectometer would be one hundred meters, uh, and hectare is then the square area of that. So hundred meters times hundred meters, that's ten thousand square meters, and that's one hectare. That just the reason why I tend to like it is just because often greens on eighteen-hole golf courses are close to being one hectare. So it's a very sort of tangible number if you speak about like how many kilograms did you apply to your greens, you know, because you actually hold then physically hold the kilograms, you put it into your sprayer, and you know that's you know that's why I tend to like uh, the hectare as a as a base unit. I un- I fully understand the square meter <laughs> concept. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, and apologies to the Japanese um, out there. So, but okay, hectometer is is ten thousand square meters, and we know that. Now uh we if we did use your cheat sheet, you probably rec- recommended uh, in the cheat sheet that we would go ten centimeters down, which is pretty much four inches to the depth. Mm-hmm. Um so if you do use that, that just simplifies calculations quite quite nicely. Because uh now we're gonna f- try to figure out how much does that soil weigh that we that we it took samples out of. Now uh if that soil, uh, to calculate the weight of the soil in this area, now we need to have a three-dimensional unit, and the three-dimensional unit will be the, hect- the hectare, so hundred times hundred meters, so ten thousand square meters, times the depth. Now the depth is not one meter; it's zero point one meter. That's what ten centimeters means. So, if you multiply the uh, ten Thousand square uh, square meters by zero point one, we get what one thousand, right?
0: Mm-hmm. So so that's a thousand. Is that cubic, a thousand cubic meters?
1: Cubic one thousand cubic meters uh, mm-hmm. of soil. Um, it's kind of hard to wrap your head around one thousand cubic meters, right? <laughs>
0: well, that's uh, <laughs> that's a hundred trucks that each have ten cubic. It's it's ten times a hundred, right? So yeah. that that's that's a hundred trucks that each have ten tons of material in it. Yeah, or t- ten cubic
1: meters of ten of cubic meters, meters of yeah. yeah. Um, so, um, so if we have then we know that, but the thing is, soil. Now, if if this was water, and we get back to the water being at. Well, 20 degrees <laughs> at, at one bar of pressure, uh, then we know that the cubic meter weighs uh, uh, 1,000 kilograms uh, or one ton. That's the weight of it. Um, so, effectively, if this was water, we would have then a uh, million kilograms, right? 1,000. Thousand well, cubes, right? Yes. Thousand cubes. Uh, and each one of them weighs thousand kilograms. So we have one million kilograms, don't we? Yes. See how we're approaching million there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the key here. Now, the problem is, though, that our soil doesn't weigh exactly the same as water. It's heavier. Um, it's heavier. Usually. And
0: oh, yeah. Yeah. If, if, if we're using it for sporting
1: curve it's it's Mm -hmm. heavier yeah and we don't have to be super precise here but we can sort of have a a a good estimate of the weight and obviously because we have a little bit of you know that's your stuff in the top there i'm assuming because often like pure sand can weigh about 1.6 uh so 1.6 times uh uh, but a good estimate is actually roughly about 1.5 times the weight of water. Wouldn't you agree with that? Is that out?
0: Yes, that's that's a very a good, good, good estimate good, good that works multiplier. quite well. So, yeah, if it's if it's pure sand, you typically are going to multiply what water would be. So water mm-hmm. would just be one, and yeah. and pure sand might be from 1.56 up to 1.63. So you mm-hmm. you use what you want. And then once you mix in that little bit of organic material that we typically have in a turf grass root zone, now we're going to get down to something like 1.5 or sometimes even a little bit lower. So this is for sand-based root zones. If we're dealing with agricultural soils, we're going to be down around 1.2, 1.3. But for for turf that's been top dressed uh, Mm -hmm. with sand or for turf that's growing in a sand root zone, we're typically going to use some numbers that are around 1.5, as you said.
1: Yeah. So we'll have to use that multiplier and 1.5 times. We had million before. We we agreed to that. We had 1 million uh, uh, kilograms. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, no, no, sorry. Uh, yeah. One, yeah, yeah. 1 million. So we multiply 1.2 multiply times. So that's 1.5 million. Um, now that means that one part per million of that, entire soil that we have on this hectare and we can imagine that's all our 18 greens plus two potting greens 20 greens um, we can guess that they weigh in total at the top 10 centimeters one, uh, 1. 1.5 million uh, 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 there 1 mil- million uh, kilograms that's right so 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 part per million of that it's will so be 1.5 Kilograms, yeah, that's that's very simple, Bernie. That's very very easy. So, so if we get a soil test that says, oh, you've got ten ppm or ten milligrams per kilogram of potassium in that soil sample you send in, then you can look at that. So each part per million or milligram per kilogram, it's is one point five kilograms. So ten would be fifteen kilograms, right? Mm
0: -hmm. But and. Right, so that's if we're doing uh, kilograms per hectare, right? So yes,
1: if you're doing kilograms per hectare, Mm -hmm. um, and then we would end up with 15 kilograms. Um, If just to put that in perspective, how much is that? That is roughly that is roughly if you have potassium sulfate, for example, that is roughly about thirty-two, three kilograms of potassium sulfate would have that, you know, 15 kilograms of of uh, potassium in there so often you you know that's one and a half pack of potassium sulfate put that into the sprayer i mean that's something that's you know a lot of guys who are spraying potassium sulfate might know and feel and you know that makes sense to them Mm -hmm. that is roughly in pounds that is what is 32 kilograms in pounds is that about 60 70 pounds Mm
0: -hmm.
1: 70 pounds something like that Mm -hmm. So uh,
0: yeah, which is about I th- I think the fertilizer bags tend to be about fifty pounds. Yeah.
1: So uh, that's also a, a bag and a half, right? Bag and a half. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that makes sense. Um, so that's if you're going to shift anything by, add ten ppm to your, to your area. Now for our Japanese guys and some other people who really love the grams per square meter. Now the good thing is again this is the metric system, so shift things just shift by you know you just you're just moving the, the dot <laughs> between numbers. And uh, moving from kilograms per hectare per gra- to grams per square meter, it means you just move the, you know, the, the dot. We use the comma, actually, here in Iceland. You use dots in the U.S. And mm-hmm. what about yourself? Are you dot or a comma guy when it comes to... Separating from zero, I, I use zero point one or is zero comma one. <laughs> I use points, but okay, uh, okay. Yeah. I do it too on my actual sheet so I can keep them international, but. My, my domestic Icelandic friends run into trouble because Axel doesn't understand what's going on.
0: Yeah, it's confusing yeah. When you, for, for an American to see it for the first time and people start putting yeah. commas <laughs> yeah. in their numbers. And in America, that's, that's denoting thousands differences. Yeah. But for some people, that's the same as a decimal point. So it just depends where you
1: are in the world. Um exactly. So but yeah, so the, you're moving the dot. So if you go on gram per square meter, you just move the dot by one. So if we had one, if, if one part per million means one point five kilograms per hectare, and it will mean zero point fifteen grams per square meter for uh, yeah, if you if you move to gram per square meter.
0: Okay, and so here's how I do it. Um, yeah, I. So I think of uh, so so we're. I will explain how I think of of, uh, a square meter. So a a square meter is 100 centimeters by 100 centimeters or one meter by one meter. And I'm also thinking of the very convenient root zone depth of 10 centimeters, which is a four inch depth, which is quite reasonable for turf grass. So that conveniently has a volume of 100 liters. Mm -hmm. And that is... uh, because it's 100,000 cubic centimeters, because it's 100 times 100 times 10. So that, if it was water, it would weigh 100 kilograms, or if it was water, it would weigh 220 pounds. But it's not water, it's soil. So we're gonna multiply that by 1.5. So that's gonna weigh 150 kilograms, or a little bit more than 300 pounds. And, so, the way that I think of this is if we take one gram. So I'm thinking gram per square meter. So I'm I'm, I'm thinking about this slightly different than Bjarni is, but I think if if you're watching this or listening to this and you uh, you you're following us, I, I think it may be helpful to understand to hear how how Bjarni thinks about it and how I think about it, which is slightly different, but Maybe you'll understand his and you won't understand mine or vice versa, but we can learn. And I I certainly learned from talking uh, or listening to Bjarni explain it because he is so native at this. So anyway, we've got my one square meter and I know that it has a volume of 100 liters. And I know that the soil that occupies that 100 liters volume weighs about 150 kilograms. And I'm going to spread one gram of fertilizer across it or one gram of potassium across it. And I'm going to assume that it gets distributed all through that root zone. And I know that one gram is a thousand milligrams. So I've just put a thousand milligrams divided by, uh, or it's gone into 150 kilograms, and 1,000 divided by 150 happens to be 6.7, which I've memorized, or, or maybe it's 6.666 or 6 comma 66666. Six, 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 six. uh, so, uh, so I round it to 6.7 or 7. So I, I know that if I add one gram to one square meter, that's going to change the soil test amount by about 7. Parts per million, or or seven milligrams per kilogram, because I've added a thousand to one hundred fifty. So, um, that that's how I tend to think of of it. And then, um, so so we've been talking a little bit about fertilizer and additions, but we can also think of nutrient harvest. So the the grass is taking up nutrients and harvesting from that hectare or from that square meter, and so the. The nutrient harvest if, if you find that your soil test went down by a certain amount you can know how much the grass harvested mm-hmm.
1: yeah and now you can figure that out on a bigger scale <laughs> by, by knowing the ppm and uh if you have these tricks up your sleeve the calculations mm-hmm. but so yeah
0: I, I i guess i i'll just say one thing that i i didn't when i was a golf course superintendent I didn't Mm -hmm. think quite like this because I was still learning. And even as I'm still learning today that I think sometime during graduate school, I realized that the units were equal. They're just, um, they're, they're different units, but the amounts are equal. And, Mm -hmm. and what I'm trying to say is the fertilizer that we apply can also be expressed as what it would, what it is in the soil once it's applied to the soil and the nutrients that are in the soil, as they go into the plant, they, they also can be expressed in, it's all the same thing. And I don't know quite what the word is to, to explain that, but the The numbers as as the nutrients from fertilizer go into the soil and as they leave the soil, we what we're talking about, these these conversions and and understanding what a milligram per kilogram is, what a part per million is, and how these changes work, means that we can effortlessly switch from from talking about fertilizer to soil concentration and vice versa mm-hmm. and nutrient yeah. harvest. And yeah, that's where. That's where I didn't do this when I was a golf course superintendent. I didn't know how to do it. And then mm-hmm. it kind of occurred to me when I was in grad school that we could do this. So I just started doing the math and figured it out for myself, which of course is, I, I mean, and, and learned from other people who who already knew this because it ain't rocking <laughs> science. Um, but,
1: yeah, it's the same thing with me because I, I, I didn't do it it's only i don't know 10 15 years when i start looking from that perspective but before that i didn't absolutely did not look at it i just looked at PBM and mg and it's little it's, like, it's funny cuz it's very simple but it sort of throws you off somehow when you're looking at this so mm-hmm. you don't actually dig into it but once i sat down and spent maybe 3 minutes doing the calculations and realizing it's like okay this is not that complicated that you know it's just but mind you i'm a matrix guy and it's kind of easy from the matrix perspective i've actually i've never done it from the imperial side have, have you done no i
0: i haven't i always like solve it metrically and then if i have to express it uh yeah, then, you just do the, then i just like and- try to convert it to pounds per thousand or something but yeah the where so why are we bothering to talk for such a long time about this, why do we think this is important? Well, I think it's important to be efficient and make sure that we're applying enough fertilizer or um making sure the grass has enough yeah. and not overdoing it but not underdoing it because mm-hmm. i i think if if you're familiar with like like you could grossly over apply potassium, but it, mm-hmm. if you're only, f- if if you think that, um, let's say, okay, uh, 10 pounds per thousand of elemental potassium per year would wow. be a lot, right? Cause that yeah. would be 50, 50, grams. So 500 kilograms per hectare, okay. right? Yeah. 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 50 grams. Yep. Yeah. Right. So, um, for Iceland, for England, for France, I think that's a lot. Uh, it's sky high. Yeah, that's sky high. Yeah. But if you're in Florida, that might seem reasonable because yeah. it might be average in Florida. Because um, mm-hmm. I've heard people apply twenty or thirty, like like two mm-hmm. or three times that amount, yeah. um, and. If if you're only familiar with the fertilizer amount and you know that people in your area are applying, let's say five hundred kilograms per hectare, fifty grams per square meter, or um, ten pounds ten, ten pounds per thousand square feet, yep. you you may not be thinking like how inefficient is that. Yep. Well, yeah. let's let's explain how inefficient that is. <laughs> <clears throat> so how much is the grass going to grow how mu- how much could the grass mm-hmm. use so so we've got we've got let, let's solve this for iceland and show how how excessive that would be for iceland and then maybe we'll we'll solve it for a warmer place so so there's various ways to solve this but one way is to look at look at how much nitrogen you apply and then and then just think of how much potassium could be harvested from the soil given the amount of nitrogen that the grass could potentially
1: use mm-hmm. we yeah so from nitrogen uh, at the moment we are we're slightly higher this year than we used to so we are slightly above 100 kilograms um, okay. uh, per hectare of nitrogen which is um about just over two pounds per thousand, maybe 2.1, 2.2 pounds 122 per thousand. And is that or fine, 10 grams. fine
0: fescue, POA? Or...
1: It, it, well, we, we like to say fine fescue, but obviously quite a bit of POA <laughs> coming in there as well. But we just had a rough year. We lost a lot of grass, so we had to push them a little bit fertilizer-wise. I'm usually, I would I would think it would be normal for me to be in a 60 to 70, 80K um, uh, of, uh, of nitrogen per hectare you know, that's point seven, point eight pounds per thousand. Um, that's sort of the normal thing. But if we use this year, because it's kind of handy, because we're at 100, we can say we're just it's, about 100. I think we're 106 at the moment. So, so it's so 100K.
0: If, so if it's 100K, and yeah. we can expect that for cool season grass, for, for a lot of grasses, unless we're talking about seashore paspalum, um, yeah. but for for all those cool season grasses, we can expect the leaves of healthy grass are going to contain about half as much potassium as they do nitrogen. So yeah. that means that if the grass used, we, we really don't even have to get into the soil here. No. We can just say if the grass used 100 kilograms of nitrogen per hectare, which would mm-hmm. be 2 pounds per 1,000 square feet or would be 10 grams per square meter, so if if the grass used hundred percent of the nitrogen that you supplied, you would expect would, half mm-hmm. to be potassium. You so would expect half to depending. be potassium. So yeah. you need to make sure that the you need to make sure that the soil has that much. So mm-hmm. how much might that be? Well, we can instantly see how much we would
1: need to have in the soil. Yeah, which would be. And now we figure it out it's, it's, uh, yeah, we, in the soil, what's your level at the moment for potassium? 30? 30. It's yeah. 30, it's 37. So 37 parts per million. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you can, you can, um, convert that into kilograms per hectare by multiplying by, uh, 1.1 1. 1. Uh, 1. and 1.5. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See how easy it is in kilograms per hectare is yeah. so, 15 for, uh, for grams per square meter. But, um, so that means in the soil, you would need to have, um, uh, yeah. 31 parts per million or, or what's well 1.5 times 37. That's about, uh, do, 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 quick. Warriors, you know, 60, 60, something. Yeah. 60 kilograms per hectare in the soil of potassium. So if you, if you were at that level, Let's say that you 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 get your soil test back and you're sitting there at 37 parts per million. Um, then you were expecting your grass to use 100K of nitrogen. Then you would have to add the 50 kilograms mm-hmm. uh, of potassium to your soil, right? And that would be work fine in Iceland. And you'll be pretty guaranteed you're not going to see a potassium deficiency. And so you... And I've never seen it. (laughs) So so when you start thinking about these in quantities
0: that are... We've got like three quantities we're looking at. We're looking at how much the grass uses, Mm -hmm. which is really important. We need to make sure... That's the most important, okay? That's the most important. And then we're Mm -hmm. looking at how much we need to apply as fertilizer... And we're looking at how much is in the soil. The most important part is to make sure that we have enough for how much the grass uses. And it's really useful to be able to flip in, in whatever math you're using, what, whatever way you like to make these calculations, mm-hmm. to be able to flip between fertilizer rates, the amount the grass uses, and the amount that's in the soil. Yeah. And Bjarni and I have done this so much that we kind of have mental tricks that we are comfortable with and then we solve these problems in our own ways Mm -hmm. and the the way that I would solve this kind of problem is I just sort of bypass the soil entirely and I'm just saying is it reasonable to apply ten pounds of potassium per thousand square feet in Iceland to turf that gets uh, two pounds of nitrogen and the answer Mm -hmm. is no even if, even if the soil test was zero, even if the soil didn't yeah. have any potassium in it, then I'd just say, well, just apply a little bit extra then. Uh, so we're expecting mm-hmm. the use to be half of nitrogen. We're expecting the use to be uh, 50 kilograms of potassium per hectare or 5 grams of potassium per square meter or 1 pound of potassium per 1,000 square feet. So if the soil was below the MLSN minimum, let's say the soil was zero potassium, yeah. I would yeah. just apply a little bit extra. So so instead mm-hmm. of applying one pound, I might apply 1.5 instead of applying, I mean,
1: yeah, I, maybe I'd just apply I mean, if, two pounds. I mean, to, to, to reach your, because I did the math for it right now, to mm-hmm. reach the 37 parts per million uh, and assuming our calculations, are obviously there's a they're not 100% accurate, but they're accurate enough you know, mm-hmm. for what we're doing. Now, so we, we would need about 55 kilograms of, of potassium just to go from zero to 37. So to be applying 37 parts per million. So in this case, if you were seeing zero on your, which is unlikely, but if you find zero in the soil, potassium, and you're gonna grow grass in Iceland and you would know that 100K would do you fine of nitrogen, then you would just pretty much do hundred K of potassium for that season. And given that everything stays in the soil, it doesn't get, you know, we're assuming few, few things here, but then you should get your potassium levels up to very acceptable range that you shouldn't see any deficiencies. And then following years, you can stick to that two to one ratio. So you see how little that is that needs to be in the soil really. Yeah. So, 50, so one pound per thousand of potassium in the soil is pretty cheap <laughs> to buy in for. <laughs> but that, that's expensive. also
0: an amount like that MLSN minimum amount also can be, mm-hmm. if you express it in terms of what that is equivalent to in fertilizer, that's an yeah. amount that we always want to keep in the soil that the grass isn't, yeah. is not supposed to use. So fertilizer mm-hmm. recommendations made using MLSN are saying let's mm-hmm. keep your soil above a certain yeah. minimum level, yeah. and that minimum level is expressed in PPM. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't go and say, well, that's equal to 55 nope. kilograms of potassium per hectare, or that's equal to this much. You know, it's yeah. like 1.1 pounds per thousand square feet or something. But that's that's it's equivalent to that. Um, yeah. And if you're able to make these conversions, then you can express these in any type of number that you're comfortable with. So if we, Mm -hmm. if we take this now and go to someplace that, that would have a much higher potassium requirement, I'll still show that 10 pounds per thousand is, is a bit excessive, Mm -hmm. I think. So basically you'd have to go somewhere that you're applying 20 pounds of nitrogen per thousand square feet or we get to numbers that are so big I don't I, I've I never uh use these numbers so I don't have to calculate it in metric, but that would be what's uh twenty pounds per 20 thousand. Pound. Isn't that
1: isn't that uh a ton? That would be a thousand. Thousand, yeah. More that would be a, you know.
0: yeah. So that would be a hundred grams of nitrogen per square meter, which yes. is a lot. A lot. And so, if you use that yeah. much, if if you use a yeah, thousand a, lot, yeah. a thousand kilograms of nitrogen per hectare, I think. Do you know what the English Premier League puts on on those uh, ryegrass pitches? I mean, I assume it's more than. Uh, well, 500. saying
1: that, I've actually heard applications of sort of up to 800, 900 k of nitrogen. Yeah, I don't know uh, firsthand about that. I don't that. think. I, well, by no means is that everyone. So don't get me wrong, but I've heard numbers in that range for certain pitches. Um, and even heard them applying them at one to two ratios, so actually, you know, 1. 1.5, 1. 1.6 tons of potassium per hectare, which is a lot of potassium to be applied it's to a, a football l-
0: pitch. It's a lot of potassium because it's about three times as much as the grass uses. And so then you start to no, wonder more, what's it's, the it's benefit. It's,
1: it's, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. If, yeah. if we assume that the, if we assume the 800 kilograms of nitrogen that was all used by the plant i i don't i doubt that to be fair no these are very high sand content um soils yeah so so in these kind of uh
0: sports turf situations you might start approaching that uh, amount of nitrogen but we're talking about like a really high amount of nitrogen Mm -hmm. for home lawns you know you're putting Two pounds, three pounds, four pounds, and even in Florida, on sandy root zones, for high quality turf these days, I know the recommendations uh, and and the practice what people were doing maybe twenty years ago or so was was a bit higher, maybe approaching twenty, but but I think now it's more common for people to be in the five to ten pound range or something that would be like, uh, 250 kilograms yeah. up, up to 500. And that's almost yeah. a year round growing season. Mm-hmm. And, and so we're talking nitrogen numbers here yeah. and these type of nitrogen numbers, you're going to have half as much potassium being used. And so, uh, there's, there's no way that you ever get up to needing 500 kilograms of potassium per hectare unless you, unless you apply nitrogen (laughs) at at a thousand. So, um, it's, it's, (laughs) I, I just, I find it, it's, it's quite useful to Mm -hmm. be able to be familiar with how much the grass is using. And I, and I think people tend not to think of how much the grass is using. They just think of how much they put as fertilizer. That's how I used to do it. And Mm -hmm. I used to just be throwing down as much fertilizer as I could just thinking more was better Mm -hmm. and not thinking at all about how much the soil could hold, how much the grass could use. And when you start thinking about how much the soil can hold, what's a reasonable amount of this element to have in the soil? You can mm-hmm. you can look, for example, at the Global Soil Survey results, which I know Bjarni, you took part in that um, mm-hmm. back in 2014 or 2015. And those uh, Global Soil Survey results show what is normal for high quality, mostly golf course turf around okay. the world from a pretty broad set of sites. I'll put a direct link to that article and that data set in the show notes. Um, so so you can check that out. But you can see, once you check what's normal in the soil, and that's often expressed in units of parts per million or milligrams per kilogram, when you see what's normal, you can then convert that to what's, what is that as fertilizer, if, if you're particularly interested in that. And then yeah. when you make your fertilizer applications, you can also think, well, if the soil for example has this much magnesium why would i try to quadruple that why why would i be applying fertilizer that would quadruple that and be like 20 times what the grass could use it it there's just it doesn't make any sense so mm-hmm. i find it's useful to think in terms of of quantities that that always go back to the grass for, first go back to the grass how much the grass will use and then also sometimes look at how much the soil normally would have, how much the soil could hold.
1: And it's also, I mean, because I, I think back in the days, people didn't even look at these basic steps very well because many um, soil you know fertilizer recommendations were often recommending um, keeping potassium levels so high in the soil. It wasn't the recommendation somewhere above 100 parts per million. Uh, well, some, quite high. Some of I mean, some, I'm talking older I'm talking older recommendations from, you know, quite a few years ago. But if you look at a lot of putting greens that are grown on very low CEC soils, a sense, effectively actually play quite well. Grass is doing fine, right? But you physically couldn't fit all of that <laughs> fertilizer recommendation. It, you know, it wouldn't there's not enough cation exchange capacity within the soil to be able to deal with it. <laughs> So it's no wonder people are seeing year after year of applying potassium at high rates, seeing, you know, you're not, you're not reaching your goals. So you can't reach the goal. So, but that's obviously happening on very low CEC soils, but, um, yeah. so that's why, yeah, and that's why I think it's smart to to look at the, you know, what's the grass actually going to be using? And then is there a limit we can't go below and just work from there? Um, it yeah. just makes more sense to me, but.
0: Yeah, if you're if you're watching this or listening to this, you're probably thinking along those lines already. Um, yeah. and I know there's there's some people that just think they think completely the opposite of what Bjarni just said and they think the opposite of the way that I think about it. So they think the very fact that you're growing in sand that doesn't hold very many nutrients and has a very it's very low in nutrients. So they'll think that for that reason, they should be like constantly applying so many things. And those aren't the people that, that uh, come to my seminars or pay attention to this, <laughs> no. but you and I know f- yeah. from, from observation, I was one of those, I was one of those people too, 20 years ago, uh, yeah, 20, yeah. 25 years ago, when I was a superintendent, I put twice as much potassium As nitrogen. And, and I was convinced that I was making the grass healthier by doing that. And Mm -hmm. I put a lot of other stuff. I mean, mostly it was potassium, but I didn't. I mean, like, if I could throw some phosphorus in there, I I did. It's like, if, if, if I put calcium nitrate or something, I was happy.
1: I was thinking that was beneficial loved that but you gotta remember there's bunch of seashells in my sense anyway because it often <laughs> comes from the ocean the sand we we're using so I had my my PPM numbers you, you were talking about calcium being mm-hmm. in the 10,000s I've seen those numbers Yeah. so adding calcium to that makes limited sense as I would argue these days yeah so th- but back
0: in the day when mm-hmm. w- before I thought about this like i do now i was just kind of thinking apply a lot of stuff Mm -hmm. but then i've been observing grass around the world and observing the way that people maintain it and i've had to reduce my nitrogen numbers that i think are normal um which you've you've seen me write about on my blog a little bit where i used to think that uh if we link it to growth potential and say something like three uh you know, 30 kilograms of, of nitrogen per hectare would be the maximum that you'd use with just like perfect growth potential, like much warmer than you ever could reach in Iceland. And I realized when you run that number, it it's too much. It it makes grass grow too much. So I drop that down to 20 now mm-hmm. and and it it works much better. So that's just with nitrogen, but with the other elements too, as I started doing more soil testing and my PhD was about potassium and calcium and magnesium availability in sand root zone. So I did a lot of soil testing um, in, in my university studies. And I realized there's a lot of turf grass that's growing really well. And it's a very high quality turf grass in soils that have nutrient levels that are much, much lower than what the recommendations were and so then, you know, you get that in your mind, but you still don't quite believe it. And then you see it some more, and then you see it some more, and then you do some more experiments, and then you realize, yeah, I'm, I'm really comfortable. <laughs> Even with MLSN, when MLSN first came out with uh, Larry Stoll from Pace Turf, Wendy Galerner from Pace Turf, and, and myself, we developed MLSN and introduced that in 2012. Those numbers were lower than what I was recommending at the time. I, mm-hmm. I was recommending 50 parts per million Uh, potassium and and mlsn was 37 you know that that's significantly lower i was recommending 75 parts per million magnesium and mlsn dropped it down to 47 you know so Mm -hmm. so i was like these are these are a little bit low it it seemed a little bit low to me and now now i just think oh yeah mlsn more than enough don't worry (laughs) you don't even have to think about it of course it's fine (laughs)
1: I think I recall, I could be wrong here, but I I, I think I recall uh, something with you and Larry, probably on the paster of YouTube. Is that possible back in the day? This is, Mm -hmm. I'm assuming, 2012 era. And it's very evident by Larry that he's very sort of reluctant. You can just sort of read between the lines. He finds these numbers to be very low (laughs) at the time. They, They certainly...
0: Is that... And I remember this correctly. Yeah, there. and I think... Um, I'll, I'll look for that video. Uh, yeah. We recorded a few uh, back in yeah. the 2011, 2012 time. And definitely when when MLSN was introduced, mm-hmm. uh, the um, Larry presented it as an alternative set of soil nutrient guidelines if you really wanted to approach managing nutrients in the most sustainable way possible but it's just like
1: well you dropped it to mlsn it's better <laughs> right
0: so it's like he, he still kept the com so it's like here's the conventional guidelines mlsn mm. is an alternative to those but oh. now we just kind of like we've 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 realized that MLSN is actually fine. We don't need the conventional guidelines anymore. Yeah, <laughs> um, and you can just you can do just fine with MLSN, and and you can do do fine with a little bit less than MLSN
1: if you really want to push things. We've done that on a number of greens where we've gone really really low, um, haven't and didn't see problems. So, but but yeah, that's why I'm that's why I'm pretty comfortable with it as well. It's mostly on uh, uh, phosphorus we've seen. I've had greens running down to ten, nine, no issues, 10 parts per million. So, but that's why I I was deliberately taking it down. You know, I'm just trying to see how far I could go for fun. And like I said, we didn't get that purpling uh, at that level, at that soil. So I'm not saying that's going to be like that everywhere in the world, but you can try. I mean, the the worst thing that happens in the beginning, it just gets a little purpley. And then, it's kind of cheap to add phosphorus to your tank and just spray it on and, and rectify the problem. So, if you want to live on the edge, that is, if you care not for the edge, <laughs> yeah, stay at the MLSN level, you should be fine.
0: Yeah, I I just a yeah, I, I think once you find out how mm. to to flip between uh, these units, so flipping between basically, we're talking about fertilizer amounts versus soil concentration amounts. And yeah. what I'm trying to say is they're equivalent. So mm-hmm. kilograms per hectare can also be expressed as milligrams per kilogram once you account for the mass of the soil. And yeah. and that's something that I, I don't know that listening to a podcast or watching a video is perhaps the best way to learn it. So I'll be interested for
1: feedback. I, I suppose some people are going to listen. If if I I can recommend, if you're listening to this and you're a bit scratching your head, the cheat sheet you were talking about is actually really, really good. Um, Because hopefully you've picked up bits and bobs here to make that more easy. And then open a spreadsheet and do a little bit of calculation yourself. And I think that's a good way to get into it. And you should be able to get that done in, you know, set aside 30 minutes. You yeah. get this for the rest of your life.
0: <laughs> I think, yeah, a little bit of trial and error. I, yeah. I certainly did some trial and error with this, um, mm-hmm. and and then, yeah, eventually you sort of get it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but it it is it's it's not just about doing uh, as little as possible and trying to get below MLSN. It's also about making sure you don't have any deficiencies. And so I always look at this as like, how can I figure out precisely how to apply just the right amount and make sure that that I'm like in a hundred percent control of how much nutrients the grass is, is getting supplied with. And, you know, you see like, it's, it's interesting to see how people certainly in the United States and Canada, they seem to really push green speed and um, at, at a lot of top clubs, they need to have, green speeds that are really high and to do that you need to have really low growth and you certainly don't want to mess around with any nutrient deficiencies in that case but you don't want to be over applying anything either Mm -hmm. so it's it's sort of makes sense to be really familiar with the nutrient supply because nutrient supply is going to have a huge effect on how much the grass can grow and Mm -hmm. And and when you're pushing to have green speeds that are 12 feet or something, uh, and the weather's not so good, then you want to make sure that <laughs> it has enough potassium. And you know, so much of the 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 so much of the research like about uh, anthracnose disease and stuff, mm-hmm. right? So so you've you've heard about the anthracnose and potassium yeah. and stuff, and it's like if you use MLSN and you you make sure that the grass uh, is supplied with enough potassium so that it won't drop below the MLSN minimum, I'm sure that you're not going to have an anthracnose problem. But the way that the experiments tend to get designed is like this is a a no potassium treatment. This is a 2 pounds per 1,000 treatment. This is a 6 pounds per 1,000 treatment or something. And what you find is any potassium treatment, any potassium application provided pretty much the whole effect of reducing the anthracnose disease. And then if you look at that and say, well, if you would look at your starting soil test amount, look at how much nitrogen you're applying, and then you figure out how much potassium you need to apply to keep above the MLSN guideline, you would have been applying a substantial amount of potassium. Mm -hmm. And so then you probably would have gotten the, the effect of reducing the anthracnose so i think th- this is definitely a different way of thinking about things because i see like the way research gets done it tends to be fixed rates it's not not really as site specific as what this mlsn and clipping volume and and growth yeah. ratio and a lot of the stuff that's that's getting used with great success by by turfgrass managers now but maybe it's a mm-hmm. little bit ahead of the research i'd like to think and, and we're not just like Pied Piper steering everyone down the road to ruin. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I hope not. I mean, there, I think there's a lot of people who have taken this up. and I haven't, I've never heard any horror stories from anyone, anyone saying, oh, you know, I started doing this. I was measuring 40 parts per million in my soil of potassium. And just my POA greens were hammered in anthracnose. And I haven't really, I don't know. I, well, you might, speak to more people about this but um i don't seem to be seeing that um and in my environment like i said i mean we have a bit of a strange climate climate sees a summer climate anyways but in these cooler uh summers we're not seeing any problems with it so far at least and like i say i've actually deliberately gone below these numbers for fun because i'm like that i just live on the turf edge (laughs) yeah but but uh yeah, and again, I'm not recommending people to do that, but uh, but I, I've just been doing it because I wanted to know what happens. And like I said, we just haven't seen it. Um, saying that anthracnose is not a massive problem here. We see it on, on obviously, if you're on POA greens. Um, you can see that, it, but it's not a massive problem uh, in our climate. But and, obviously it can happen.
0: So you, you're recommending... I'm, I'm just imagining if, if people if people want to to figure this out, the, so mm-hmm. one resource you're suggesting is the MLSN cheat sheet, which I'm going to put a yep. direct link to. Mm-hmm. And what are some, uh, you said open up a spreadsheet and start trying to solve
1: the problem. Well, you just put the numbers in and just try to, you know, what is it, does it make sense to you? Does it make sense to what you're applying or have been applying, for example? It's like, it's always good to just see these numbers. What would you have, thought would happen to a soil if you applied, you know, um, two pounds per thousand of potassium, are you seeing your soil samples, uh, you know, given you're consistent on your soil sampling, what's happening in the soil? Have you seen it? Is it, is it going up? Or is it, you know, what's going on in your, you know, in your soil? Um, I, and uh, I'll look on paste turf. Also,
0: I think um, there, there should be some good explanations on pace turf. Also mm-hmm. about converting between parts per million and uh, mass, like fertilizer mass units that yeah. might be in uh, American units, like pounds per thousand yeah. square feet or something. So
1: mm-hmm. uh, I have to admit I haven't attempted this <laughs> in the imperial world because it it scares me a little bit all the time because. <laughs> Because the numbers change. The beauty about the metrics, the numbers don't really change. It's the, the is the prefixes to, you know, and all the, that might change, but not necessarily the numbers. So that's why I get scared.
0: <laughs> all right. Well, um, I I think I think that's enough about parts per million, Bjarni. And let's see what kind of feedback there is. If people have a lot of questions,
1: um, I maybe think. Maybe we did a good job or maybe we just bamboozled everyone and they don't have it a- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah so so <laughs> maybe
0: <laughs> let's let's see it's it's hard for me to assess uh yeah. but but we'll get some feedback of like that was the worst episode ever or it's like <laughs> yeah. that was really enlightening or it it could be and i guess my i, I guess some people are going to say that's kind of interesting i understand some of it but i have some questions so yeah, if you yeah. do have some questions. Uh, send them and, to me. And, Everybody knows how to get in touch with me, and and I, we I,
1: and I fully understand because I personally, when it comes to numbers, I prefer seeing stuff, and I, I you know, I can, I'm good at maths with just you know with my eyes. But when I have to do stuff like chatting to you here, <laughs> making sure my volume is okay, and. <laughs> Then talking numbers can sometimes just you know go out of the window. Yeah, well, and I can I can imagine sitting on a on a fairway mower, listening to a podcast, <laughs> listening to numbers. Uh-huh. It can be difficult to some of us. We don't all think the same. We we use our brain power in different
0: ways. That's that's right. So so it uh, it if you if you feel like you just you want to do this but you can't quite uh, get it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 you really want to learn and, and you think like, yeah, this this is important. I agree with what they're saying, but I just don't get it. Um, mm-hmm. that's fine because we didn't know this. <laughs> we we yeah. we didn't know this and, and we learned it. Uh yeah, we, we were managing golf courses
1: and we didn't know this. So <laughs> right.
0: I I was getting a PhD and I didn't know uh, any of this, right? <laughs> so so and and uh we will be happy to to try some alternative ways of, of explaining this. So I can do a blog post or, or Bjarni and I can do a a tutorial or we can get our collaborator, uh, Jason Haynes, who is not here today due to being quite busy with work, but uh, he, he would probably have some good insight of, of also, uh, other ways to think about this or to learn it. So uh, I'm hoping that more people around the world can be very familiar with these numbers. Um, and, and I know a lot of you were probably like, yeah, we know that we know that we know that. So that's perfect. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's certainly something that, that, that I kind of look at my career from the time before I knew how to do this and the time after and the time mm-hmm. after, I feel much more in control of
1: of yeah. what I was doing. Um, so yeah, just people have, I've helped out with this it is exactly the same. Is that they've they felt they have way more. You know, this makes more sense. It's actually easier once you get over the sort of you know getting comfortable with it. It just gets way easier, and they, you know. It's one of those things that you need to learn a little bit, and once you're above the hump, it actually feels like you're going down down the hill, <laughs> yeah. you know, which in a positive way. And they never—not te- like our life is going down the hill, but <laughs> and they
0: they never teach us this in school. That this is not nope. the way we get taught in school. No, nope. it's not the way we get taught by when we're doing an apprenticeship or or uh, you know in America we do an internship and or or just work on the crew. And we learn a lot of things, but we never learn what Bjarni and I've just tried to talk about. But it, when, when you're making decisions about fertilizer or when you're applying fertilizer, um, this it, it's quite useful to to be able to to do this. So, yeah. um, I I think I should ask you about uh, about frost delays while I have the chance. Have you have mm-hmm. you had frost yet?
1: We had frost. Yeah, two nights. Uh, and I was a bit nervous about the first one because we had been averaging in the ten, twelve, 12, uh, and then the coolest was like nine degrees, and then all of a sudden we went to negative two degrees over um, about a five-hour period mm-hmm. and got quite frosty. Um, so, but um, at, at about uh we had the first tea times out at eight but uh the sun was up at six i think around about six o'clock and uh, at that seven seven o'clock time it was actually quite soft the surfaces so i wasn't too concerned about it i turned on irrigation it was the sort of sweet spot where you can actually use the irrigation sometimes you can sometimes you can't but it was, it was the condition were favorable so we could actually hit the frost off most of the areas but still we we sent out play at eight o'clock uh, on the back nine instead of the front nine. And fairways that were frosted, we didn't have any irrigation to or anything, nothing. I deliberately walked onto certain greens. Thank you. Nothing, no problems. Um, So we saw no issues with that frost. Um, And again, I mean, this is, I think very strongly about this. I, I for I, we need to research this field way more because I think a lot of people and 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 most of the courses around me closed uh, for longer than we did certainly. That is because we often often let people go out on the first and the tenth at this time of the year, but just you just get more people through. Most people just want to play nine rounds, you know. It's late in the season, um, so we didn't do it on the front nine right away. We did it on the back nine right away, and like I say, no damage during these conditions i understand i know there are people who listening to me wow well, you know I've, I've seen the footprinting and all that i, I get that and that happens that definitely does happen we know it for a fact we've seen millions of pictures of it the question is and what i have a big question mark is, is when does it happen because it clearly doesn't always happen it clearly did not happen here and this is a environment that I thought would be inducive to this, where you where the grass hasn't been in a colder environment, where, you know, when, when grass starts getting to the end of the year, it starts hardening before the winter periods. But it usually happens once your average temperatures go drop below about six degrees or five, four degrees, it starts getting hardier and handle uh, the winter a little bit better. So I always thought that like, if it hasn't had that time to do that, which is exactly what happened for us now, um, and then you get frost, is that the grass more fragile and thus can lead to footprinting and these black spots or not? In this case, no. But if we would have hit negative four degrees, would have been different. If the humidity levels would have been different, wouldn't that make the difference? I think so, but I, have no, I don't know where that... Well, you don't know either. Where does that, you know, when, when can we predict the footprinting damages to occur?
0: And, and, and the footprinting damage. So, so I talk with people in Japan about this because they mm-hmm. don't do frost delays in Japan. Yeah. And what's customary in Japan is to put a small cover, a frost yeah. cover. They, they typically will change the whole location in the afternoon mm-hmm. of the previous day because in Japan people just play in the morning to early afternoon and then they go home so th- mm-hmm. th- it's very rare i mean basically there's nobody on the course after 3 4 p.m. and so Dear
1: Lord, i would like to experience that yes it's it's <laughs> lovely come
0: come to Japan come to the 2025 international turfgrass society re- the international turfgrass research conference in Karuizawa Japan right. from July 12 to 16 2025 I need to and, do that. And that is going to be a superb conference and you can have a chance to see how Japanese golf courses. So they tend, they'll go off one and 10 tee every, every morning. Yeah. Um, but, but the, the last tee times are at like one, so, you know, or one thirty, And so yeah. holes one and 10 start to be free at, yeah. at 2 PM. And then then half of the course is free by three. So you can go out, you change the whole locations. So in the wintertime, you can do that. You change the whole locations and then you cover with a small Mm -hmm. sheet that only covers a portion of the green. These are all creeping bent grass greens that I'm talking about. And so the next morning, the workers will go, the maintenance staff will go remove the sheets and it would be common to have 60 days of frost uh, you know, pretty much like all of January and February would be frosty. And in some places it, it would be an even longer frost season. And so you've got the maintenance staff walking across the uncovered part of the green that has frost on it and removing the the sheets. So that's leaving footprints. And then the golfers come and play and they're also going across the greens and, and, and walking on frosted turf. And so I asked people, what, what's your, do you, do you do all the holes do you just do the first few holes on each nine how does it work what type of damage do you see and a lot of people say yeah we we'll see footprints when we f- when the first frost come they'll see footprints it lasts for about a week it's no permanent damage and after that there's really nothing and and then they just play golf on that and mm-hmm. so that can be a lot of money if if it's a if it's a place where people actually want to play golf and they're willing to pay money to play golf then that can be a, a big business decision uh and and it just baffles me for public facilities to turn money away when when i'm pretty sure
1: that they're not going to see any kind of permanent damage I, I, I would you know what i strongly recommend is that golf clubs that are in this frost delay area around the world if they could just join forces and each each golf club will pay 100 dollars to a research fund that will aim at finding a prediction model you know frost damage for prediction model (laughs) and then we could predict you know okay well actually we're actually highly likely to have damage mind you if you 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 could do the japanese way and just accept the damage and don't think it is a real problem but if if you are really, you know, if you really don't want to have any footprinting printing or whatever on your first on your first turf, can you imagine, we surely get that amount of money, spend five, six years researching with surely we can come up with a prediction model that is, you know, correct 90% of the time, because that would save a lot of money for the golf industry.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm surprised at how pervasive the frost delay is um, mm-hmm. but then you go to Japan and Korea and, mm-hmm. and they, they have absolutely zero delay. Yeah. Um, and then like that, just, it just hits home to me. Uh, I'm going to Japan tomorrow and, uh, yeah, I'm visiting some, some golf courses. And of course that's going to be a, a topic <laughs> that comes <laughs> up just because I'm so curious about it and I'm trying to learn, but Bjarni's right. Um, uh, it, it's, it's it's a ripe area
1: for research. So whether mm-hmm. uh, whether it's actually one of those things, you would research it to save a bunch of money because you know, that's the whole purpose of it, right? Mm-hmm. To not throw away business for no good reason. Um, cause you know, that could have further damage down the road, you know, <laughs> denying people services when they could easily get, you know, get around and not cause, not cause any issues. But okay. I need to understand this Japanese thing of not playing in the afternoon because we we were not there. <laughs> we, no, we have a lot of rounds in the afternoon. Just just this July we had nine thousand three hundred and sixty some rounds uh out of the ones we actually managed to register because the Which ones which show month up at the which, night don't actually register which month? Which July m- this year.
0: July you had nine thousand
1: 360 registered rounds. So these are confirmed rounds people actually played. Is that on 20, you, that,
0: 27 holes?
1: No, no, just 18 holes. This is just off the first tee. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <no. laughs> we had 7,000, 7,700 rounds on the nine hole course that we have. So we catered to, what is in, that, 16,000? 16, yeah, 16,000 some people in July. Um, and these are confirmed rounds. Mind you, People can show up at midnight or two o'clock or three o'clock in the night and play. And there are a certain amount of rounds. In the entire month, I don't know, three hundred more rounds, four hundred more rounds, something like that. But that averages on the eighteen hole like three hundred and two rounds per every single day on average. And we don't do good weather, remember that. <laughs> we 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 while well, saying that, no, in July we never crossed twenty degrees Celsius. So we never reached uh we never reach the 70s in Fahrenheit. Yeah, so that's the numbers. That's and MLSN works on that. So <laughs> yeah, so yeah, you've got
0: you've got harsh winters and you've yeah. you've got heavy play during the summers. Yeah. So I consider the Iceland climate to be quite challenging for growing grass and quite stressful mm-hmm. for grasses. Mm-hmm. So if MLSN works there, um, that that gives me some assurance that that it it's pretty solid for turf that's that's under cold stress or under traffic stress.
1: Yes. I think traffic stress we've proven.
0: <laughs> well good. Yeah we should we should have a, a turf grass, a big international turf grass conference in Iceland someday. We need to do that. Right? We need to do that. Because i know you're you organize the the Icelandic Greenkeepers Association does have some annual conference and 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 uh sometime you should like invite the world and Mm -hmm. and of course not not everybody can come but i'm sure that that some people would be quite interested to go learn more about the
1: very interesting we are having one uh, in uh we're having our 30th birthday in our Icelandic green's uh, and groundskeeper association, our thirtieth birthday uh, next year. So we're having a, a conference on, on the seventh and eighth of March.
0: Seventh and eighth of March. Okay. So and we already is,
1: have a lined up speakers, which are interesting speakers. I've I've I, um,
0: I've heard of one of those speakers. I I believe, and and I don't know so. who the others are, but I don't yeah. know if you want to disclose that. But is this open right. to the public at this point? Yeah, though? we
1: we when we have our conference, we don't actually. Charge anything, in Because we need to get as many. We just want to get the, you know, the knowledge out there and people to come here. And obviously, mostly it's just keepers show up, but uh, we have on You know, there may be seventy people showing up for this these event. But um, if, I, if I, if
0: somebody wanted to come from uh, India, for example, yes, they they
1: could come. They could come. Okay. Yes, they can just contact us, and then I'll probably you know once we've nailed the well, we've we have them. Very good speakers this year. We have about five foreign speakers coming in, so don't worry. It's not as if you're coming in and everyone's chatting Icelandic on stage. It's going to yeah, be mostly English, so don't worry yeah. about that. And and I'm not one of them, so you don't. You're have, actually not one of them, I'm, right? I'm so you sorry, don't. You don't have to worry.
0: You don't have to worry that you, you'd have to hear from Micah again, and you're like, well, we've already <laughs> heard all of his stuff. So these are 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 going to be uh, something that would be more interesting than that
1: so yeah i'll probably uh, later once i have everything you know we actually just had a meeting this morning finally we uh we're about to pinpoint everything and um but then i'll let you know exactly the speakers but there are well, good good speakers coming in
0: wonderful well let's uh yeah i, I would encourage people to do that i encourage people to come to japan uh and and learn uh, about golf course management in japan also and or just watch my youtube channel and uh and listen to the ATC double cut and, and you can hear and, and see some of the interesting things as as I share as much as I can about the very interesting things that I get to learn about turf grass management around the world. All right, Bjarni, we managed to do one hour and 23 minutes already wow. on the very I'm- exciting turf math <laughs> topic of parts per million or milligrams per kilogram thank you so much for joining me
1: thank when you, you are... you're having fun man yeah Time flies. <laughs>
0: and thanks everybody for for uh joining us for this Bernie, do you have anything else you want to to share before i i click the stop recording button
1: i think just thanks for having me mike i want more and uh Uh, i'll I'll look forward to the next mathematical (laughs) problem we'll solve here
0: yeah yeah and uh again go ahead and let us know if if uh if you need a little bit more guidance on this or want some more advice about uh, trying to make sense of what we're talking about for now uh we will go ahead and not take up any more of your time and I will sign off. Thanks Bernie for joining me. And I will say bye bye for ATC from Bangkok. I am Micah Woods. Bye bye.